0: Chapter 8 of Ronicky Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney, Idaho, USA. Ronicky Doone by Max Brand. Chapter 8 Two Apparitions. They found that the room in the house on Beekman Place, opposite that which they felt covered their quarry, could be secured, and they were shown to it by a quiet gentlewoman, found a big double room that ran across the whole length of the house. From the back it looked down on the lights glimmering on the black East River and across to the flare of Brooklyn. To the left the whole arc of the Fifty-ninth Street Bridge was exposed. In the front windows overlooked Beekman Place, and were directly opposite the front of the house to which the taxi-driver had gone that afternoon. Here they took up the vigil. For four hours one of the two sat with his eyes never moving from that street and the windows of the house across the street, and then he left the post and the other took it. It was vastly wearying work. Very few vehicles came into the light of the street-lamp beneath them, and every person who dismounted from one of them had to be scrutinized with painful diligence. "'Once a girl, young and slender and sprightly, "'stepped out of a taxi about ten o'clock at night "'and ran lightly up the steps of the house. "'Ronicky caught his friend by the shoulder "'and dragged him to the window. "'There she is now!' he exclaimed. "'But the eye of the lover, "'even though the girl was in a dim light, "'could not be deceived. "'The moment he caught her profile, "'as she turned in the open door, "'Bill Gregg shook his head. "'That's not the one. "'She's all different.' "'A pile different, Ronicky!' "'Ronicky sighed. "'I thought it was her,' he said. "'Go on back to sleep. "'I'll call you again if anything happens.' "'But nothing happened that night, "'though even in the dull, ghost hours of the early morning "'they did not relax their vigil. "'But all the next day there was no sign of Carolyn Smith "'in the house across the street, "'no face like hers ever appeared at the windows. "'Apparently the place was a harmless rooming-house "'of fairly good quality.' Not a sign of Carolyn Smith appeared, even during the second day. By this time the nerves of the two watchers were shattered by the constant strain, and the monotonous view from the front window was beginning to madden them. "'It's proof that she ain't yonder,' said Bill Gregg. "'Here's two days gone and not a sign of her. It sure means that she ain't in the house, unless she's sick in bed,' and he grew pale at the thought. "'Partner,' said Ronicky Doone. "'If they're trying to keep her away from us, "'they sure have the sense to keep her under cover "'for as long as two days. "'Ain't that right? "'It looks pretty bad for us, "'but I'm staying here for a solid week, anyway. "'It's just about our last chance, Bill. "'We've done our hunting pretty near as well as we could. "'If we don't land her this trip, "'I'm about ready to give up. "'Bill Gregg sadly agreed that this was their last chance, "'and that they must play it to the limit.' one week, was decided on as a fair test. If, at the end of that time, Carolyn Smith did not come out of the house across the street, they could conclude that she did not stay there. And then there would be nothing for them but to take the first train back west. The third day passed, and the fourth, dreary, dreary days of unfaltering vigilance on the part of the two watchers. On the fifth morning even Ronicky Doone sat with his head in his hands at the window, peering through the slit between the drawn curtains, which sheltered him from being observed at his spying. When he called out softly, the sound brought Gregg with one long leap out of the chair where he was sleeping, to the window. There could be no shadow of a doubt about it. There stood Carolyn Smith in the door of the house. She closed the door behind her, and walking to the top of the steps, paused there and looked up and down the street. Bill Gregg groaned snatched his hat, and plunged through the door, and Ronicky heard the brief thunder of his feet down the first flight of stairs, then the heavy thumps as he raced around the landing. He was able to trace him down the three flights of steps to the bottom. And so swift was that descent that when the girl, idling down the steps across the street, came onto the sidewalk, Bill Gregg rushed out from the other side and ran toward her. They made a strange picture as they came to a halt at the same instant— the girl shrinking back in apparent fear of the man, and Bill Gregg stopping by that same show of fear, as though by a blow in the face. There was such contrast between the two figures that Ronicky Doone might have laughed, had he not been shaking his head with sympathy for Bill Gregg. For never had the miner seemed so clumsily big and gaunt, never had his clothes seemed so unpressed and shapeless, while his soft grey hat, to which he still clung religiously, appeared hopelessly out of place in contrast to the slim prettiness of the girl. She wore a black straw hat, turned back from her face, with a single big red flower at the side of it. Her dress was tailored grey tweed. The same distinction between their clothes was in their faces. The finely-modelled prettiness of her features and the big, careless chiseling of the features of Bill Gregg, "'Ronicky Doone did not wonder that after her first fear "'her gesture was one of disdain and surprise. "'Bill Gregg had dragged the hat from his head, "'and the wind lifted his black hair and made it wild. "'He went a long, slow step closer to her, "'with both his hands outstretched. "'A strange scene for a street, "'and Ronicky Doone saw the girl flash a glance over her shoulder "'and back to the house from which she had come. "'Ronicky Doone followed that glance, and he saw— all hidden save a profile of the face, a man standing at the opposite window, and smiling scornfully down at the picture in the street. What a face it was! Never in his life had Ronicky Doone seen a man who, in one instant, filled him with such fear and hatred, such loathing and such dread, such scorn and such terror. The nose was hooked like the nose of a bird of prey, the eyes were long and slanting like those of an oriental, The face was thin, almost fleshless, so that the bony jaw stood out like the jaw of a death's head. As for the girl, the sight of the onlooker seemed to fill her with a new terror. She shrank back from Bill Gregg until her shoulders were pressed against the wall of the house, and Ronicky saw her head shake as she denied Bill the right of advancing further. Still he pleaded, and still she ordered him away. Finally Bill Gregg drew himself up, Bowed to her and turned on his heel. The girl hesitated a moment. It seemed to Ronicky, in spite of the fact that she had just driven bill away, as if she were on the verge of following him to bring him back, for she made a slight outward gesture with one hand. If this were in her mind, however, it vanished instantly. She turned with a shudder and hurried away down the street. As for bill Gregg, he bore himself straight as a soldier and came back across the pavement. But it was the erectness of a soldier who had met with a crushing defeat, and only preserves an outward resolution, while all the spirit within is crushed. Ronicky Doone turned gloomily away from the window and listened to the progress of Bill up the stairs. What a contrast between the ascent and the descent! He had literally flown down. Now his heels clumped out a slow and regular death march as he came back to the room. When Gregg opened the door. Ronicky Doone blinked and drew in a deep breath at the sight of the poor fellow's face. Gregg had known before that he truly loved this girl whom he had never seen, but he never dreamed what the strength of that love was. Now, in the very moment of seeing his dream of the girl turned into flesh and blood, he had lost her, and there was something like death in the face of the big miner as he dropped his hat on the floor and sank into a chair. After that he did not move so much as a finger from the position into which he had fallen limply. His legs were twisted awkwardly, sprawling across the floor in front of him, one long arm dragged down toward the floor, as if there was no strength in it to support the weight of the labor-hardened hands. His chin was fallen against his breast. When Ronicky Doone crossed to him and laid a kind hand on his shoulder he did not look up. It's ended said bill gregg faintly now we hit the back trail and forget all about this he added with a faint attempt at cynicism I've just wasted a pile of good money-making time from the mine that's all hm said ronicky doone bill look me in the eye and tell me man to man that you're a liar he added can you ever be happy without her man the cruelty of that speech made gregg flush and he looked up sharply That was exactly what Ronicky Doone wanted. I guess they ain't any use in talking about that part of it, said Greg huskily. Ain't there? That's where you and me don't agree. Why, Bill, look at the way things have gone. You start out with the photograph of a girl. Now we've followed her, found her name, tracked her across the continent, and know her street address, and you've given her a chance to see your own face. Ain't that something done? After you've done all that, "'Are you going to give up now?' "'Not you, Bill. "'You're going to buck up and go ahead full steam, eh?' "'Bill Gregg smiled sourly. "'Do you know what she said to me when I came rushing up saying I'm Bill Gregg? "'Do you know what she said?' "'Well, Bill Gregg,' she says, "'I don't remember any such name.' "'That took the wind out of me. "'I only had enough left to say, "'The gent that was writing those papers to the correspondence school to you from the West.' THE ONE YOU SENT YOUR PICTURE TO, AND... SENT MY PICTURE TO, SHE SAYS, AND LOOKS AS IF THE GROUND HAD OPENED UNDER HER FEET. YOU'RE MAD, SHE SAYS. AND THEN SHE LOOKS BACK OVER HER SHOULDER AS MUCH AS TO WISH SHE WAS SAFE BACK IN HER HOUSE. DO YOU KNOW WHY SHE LOOKED BACK OVER HER SHOULDER? JUST FOR THE REASON I TOLD YOU. NO, BILL, THERE WAS A GENT STANDING UP THERE AT THE WINDOW WATCHING HER AND HOW SHE ACTED. HE'S THE GENT THAT KEPT HER FROM WRITING YOU AND SIGNING HER NAME. "'He's the one who's kept her in that house. "'He's the one that knew we were watching all the time, "'that sent out the girl with the exact orders "'how she should act if you was to come out "'and speak to her when you seen her. "'Bill, what that girl told you didn't come out of her own head. "'It come out of the head of the gent across the way. "'When you turned your back on her, "'she looked like she'd run after you and try to explain. "'But the fear of that fellow up in the window "'was too much for her, and she didn't dare. "'Bill,' To get that girl, you gotta get that gent I seen grinning from the window. Grinning? asked Bill Gregg, grinding his teeth and starting from his chair. Was the skunk laughing at me? Sure, every minute. Bill Gregg groaned. I'll smash every bone in his ugly head. Shake, said Ronicky Doone. That's the sort of talk I wanted to hear. And I'll help you, Bill. Unless I'm away wrong, it'll take the best you and me can do, working together, to put that gent down. End of chapter 8